Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Assistant Pastor Tim Rogers. All right. The promise isn't dead. All right. So today, we're going to talk about this promise. Now, what is that promise? That promise is anything that God has told you. All right. I'm not quantifying it and saying something specifically out of the word of God. I'm talking about your individual life. Whatever that happens to be, that's your promise. So that includes anything that God has told you directly and anything that is in his word. Because everything in his word is a promise as well. So I want you to focus on this completely today. That your promise is not dead. I'm going to say it again. I want you to focus on the fact that your promise is not dead. Now, depending on where we're at in our lives, depending on what's going on, what stage of life we're in, what age we are, what education we have, where we work, where we don't work, where we live, all of these things can have some effect on how we perceive the promise that God gave us. It shapes it because we see it through that lens. Because we say, God, this is where I am. Well, the promise is all the way over there. And what can happen is that sometimes our vision gets a little blurred because we start looking at things through that prism of life. Right? We're, we're doing too much of analysis on, well, how am I going to get the A to D when God is just trying to take you from A to B? Right now, I'm not saying lose hope in the final destination. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, is that if sometimes if we forecast too far out, then we can get in trouble because then all of that other things come into play. And it allows our vision to get a little bit blurred. All right. So today I want you to focus on that the promise is not dead. But we're also going to talk about the hindrances of not seeing it as being dead. That makes sense, right? Right. So, you know, one of the things that I thought about when I thought about this is, is that as a child, uh, I, I heard some, <laughs> some sayings all the time. You know, older people would say things, and I, I didn't have any clue what they were talking about. No, <laughs> right? Right. Today, I'm a little, little bit more educated. I got a little education, so I understand that those things are called idioms, right? They're like sayings that when you hear them, they don't make no sense about what they're talking about. So unless you've just been around enough, you just know what they mean, right? Like the, it's raining cats and dogs. Well, what, what does that really mean? Right? Right? So they know. The kids know. Yes. Right? And some of them weren't that great either, right? Like my, my grandmother had one that was really bad, right? And uh, she used to say it to the grandkids only, right, because she was very big into hygiene. Most parents are. But as a kid, sometimes you're not. Oh, Lord. Right? So she'd ask the question, do you smell like a croc today? Yeah, like a crocodile. Right? And I didn't understand. I'm like, wow, what are you talking about? Now, I don't know where she got that from. I don't know. But... When she said it, I'm like, dang. Huh? So what she's saying is, did you take a bath today? 
That, that's the interpretation of that. So the first couple times I heard it, I didn't know what she meant. I'm like, what, what are you talking about, Ma? And then a classic grandma, oh, boy, you know what I'm talking about. Do you smell? All right. All right. So one of the things that, one of the ones that we've all heard before, I believe, is don't be an Indian giver. All right. Don't be an Indian giver, right? So all right. So now this is where I'm going to tie it in a little bit. Because what I see sometimes is, is that as Christians, we feel like God is an Indian giver. That sometimes we go back to God and say, but you said you were going to do this for me. So what are we implying? We're implying that God gave it to us and then somehow he took it away. Or that he's no longer going to do it. So the answer was initially yes, but now it's no. Right? So when I thought about this, I thought about the fact of that sometimes we, we project this saying onto God, and it's not right. And the reason I know it's not right is, is that we just read two scriptures directly that says that God cannot lie. Right? So for those of you that I want to bring a little bit of clarification here is, is that God cannot lie. It did not say God will not lie. Okay? So the difference is, is that God could lie if it just said God will not lie. That's not what it said. It said God cannot lie. All right? So when it means that is, is that that wall, whatever color that is, right? We're just going to call it beige or something for right now, right? If God said that that wall was green, it would turn green. All right? So that's when it means when it says God cannot lie. Why? Because no word from him is void of power. It will accomplish what he sent it to do. So what God is saying is if I said it, it's going to happen. It's not that I'm trying to get around the fact of that I'm trying to lie, lie to you. That's not it. He's saying he cannot. Once he says it, it's done. So we, we, we got to understand this because we got to put our faith in that, not our faith in some other things. All right, so I want to talk about this word right here. All right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, now I I, I practice saying this (laughs) for a couple days because I tend to get tongue-tied, right? So now I'm getting up here, and I'm like, dang, I don't want to say it now because I I might mess it up. (laughs) All right. So the word is, all right, so don't don't y'all laugh at me. All right. (laughs) The The word is anthropomorphism. All right. And what that means is, is assigning a human attribute or characteristic to something, an entity, or being. So in this example, because when we said, we sometimes see God as an Indian giver. That is what this is, an example of this word. All right? You see it a lot in cartoons. They do it in movies all the time. Stuff that has feelings and emotions, well, it really doesn't have that. But what they're doing is they're projecting it from a human standpoint so that we have a connection to it. All right? So, 
God is not an Indian giver. Now, when we think about this a little deeper, though, is, is that how did you feel when you first heard about that promise? Excited, right? Boy, you was fired up. And then over time, that potentially can wane, because I don't want to make a general assumption that it always will. Now, that, that's not what I want to do. I'm saying that it can. Why? Because all of the other stuff begins to start as you move along life, gets harder and harder to remember that jubilance that you felt when you first heard it. Right? I mean, I'll use myself as an example. I was exuberant when God said I could have a house. Oh, Lord. I just didn't know it was going to be six, seven years later. Now, now I'll, I'll be frank. Now, when I asked, I didn't think it was going to be that long. Now, granted, I thought I might have to wait. There was some stuff I needed to take care of. I'm, you know, in the natural. All right. But I'm like, all right, God, what, what's going on here now, bro? <laughs> like, I, I know I heard you. Where, where, where is it at? Where is it at, man? Right? So I try to stimulate myself because I was getting antsy. <laughs> right? Not just trusting in the word. Because what happened is my faith and trust in the word turned into me trying to make the word happen. Mm, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. So we, we, I took it right out of God. Well, if I do this, 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 and this, I know it's got to happen now. It's got to happen, God. Everybody else is doing it, and it works. Guess what happened for me? It still didn't happen. Why? Because I was trying to manufacture something. I was trying to make it in my own strength instead of just trusting God that what he said was true. And that when the right timing came with the right place, at the right development, for the right price, for what I wanted to pay, that I wouldn't be struggling to pay, it happened, just like he said. But initially, after about two years of waiting, that wasn't my testimony. And God, God, God will do some interesting. Guess what happened in between those six years? Everybody else I knew bought a house. So then I'm like, now, wait a minute, God. Now, now we're about to have a problem here. <laughs> to go a step further, people bought a house in the development I wanted. Guess who told them about it? Me. So what I did, I was like, oh, no, come on now. Right? So but what was happening? God was testing my heart. Because... If my heart had been messed up about it, right, if I had resented the fact that they had got it, if I had been mad and upset and vexed because somebody else got it before me, what is that saying about me? Right. So God was testing my heart. Yeah. Now, praise God, I passed the first time, all right? But initially it was like, wait a minute, this ain't working for me. But then I said, you know what, God? God bless them. I love them as my friends. I'm happy for them. And I believe that many of doors have opened because I was willing to evaluate my own heart with the Holy Spirit's help 
and change. Because that's only one example. I have many where I know God was testing my heart to make sure I was right. So we have to make sure that we are ready for the promise. All right, we got to make sure that we're ready for the promise. All right, so I want to talk about this covenant, covenant and a contract. All right, so a contract is what humans make. That's what we make. The bad part is, is that we make contracts and people still break them. Right? On any number of levels. They sign on the dotted line, which is supposed to be your complete oath that you will do whatever that is, whether it's buying a house, paying a bill, whatever, co-signing a car for someone, whatever. But then people turn right around and they can say, well, you know what, I don't really want to do that no more. And what happens is, I believe, sometimes is, is that because we see that over and over and over again, just through daily life, that sometimes we think God does that. So what we have to understand is, is that God is not making a contract with us. That is not what he's doing. He's making a covenant. Totally, totally different. So much so, the covenant is so strong that he said he made it between himself. Right? So now this goes back to Hebrews 6, what we read. Between two immutable things. What, two things that can never change. Everything we know outside of God can change. God is the only one that says, I change not. Jesus said that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. God said to ensure that you know I'm going to make the vow between me. Y'all seeing this here? This is, this, is, this is serious. God says he's not playing. Now, that does mean, though, that we have to ante up, too. There are some things that we have to do now that, that, that doesn't exempt us from that. But what I'm trying to get you to see here is, is that God cannot lie. And if he cannot lie, then the promise can't be dead. It, it can't be. So understanding the covenant versus a contract. Now, the first time that covenant comes up in the Bible was the covenant that he made between himself and Noah. Okay, that's the first time contract comes up. I mean, uh, a covenant, excuse me. So the first time that covenant, the actual word, shows up is when he's talking to Noah. He says, I will make myself a covenant with you, <laughs> Noah, that I will save you and your family. And then after the flood is then when we see the seal of the covenant. He says, as the show assigned to you, that I made this covenant with you, I'm going to put the rainbow in the cloud. That every time you see it, and anybody else in humanity sees it, it means that I will never destroy the earth by a flood. So not only did God say it, then he gave a sign of his commitment. Mm. 
the seal. He, he gave them a seal. Now, that, that's pretty awesome. But it wasn't even just for man. It was for all of the creatures as well. All right, because they got on the ark two by two, right? Two by two, right? Now, now I'm going to give you this little... That's how I started thinking about all of those animals on that ship. <laughs> There's a lot of animals, right? <laughs> so as they get on this, it says, the word says that they came two by two. Mm-hmm. Now, the, now, the interesting thing here is, is, is that Noah didn't go get them. <laughs> Noah did not go and get the animals. How was he going to do that for all them animals? He didn't. Well, how did they get there? They heard God. <laughs> and that's the only way they could have. How, how would they have known? So they heard God. Now, he, here's what God oh, showed me sometimes. Now, the animals, they were created out of the earth, right? During creation, right? So that means that animals do not have spirits. The only thing that God blew in during creation was us. So now, if animals don't have a spirit, oh, Lord, right? But they can obey God directly, right off gate, boom. God said it, let's go. Here we are as man with a spirit. And then we act like we don't hear him. God, I didn't, I didn't, you know, you knew. Now, this is not a blanketed statement. I'm not saying every time. But I know there have been times where I tried to play like, God, I didn't really know what you meant. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I knew. Because if an animal can know, I surely should know as a saved Christian. With a spirit that has been resurrected. There's no way. So we, we're losing. We've got to get rid of the excuses, saints. That's all of us. <laughs> Even me. We've got to get rid of them. All right? So as we go down a little bit here, we're going to talk about these three hindrances to not seeing that the promise isn't dead. All right? All right, so I'm going to read it right out the word. So this time... I'm going to read the scriptures, and then next time, and then I'm going to give you the point up there, all right? So the last time I gave you the scriptures and told you the point, all right? So this time we're going to do it the other way, all right? So I want everybody to turn to Numbers, because I want you to see this. Numbers 13. Numbers 13. So our first point is going to be Numbers 13, 27. All right, so we're going to use a very familiar set of events All right. I try my hardest to talk about the word of God in events, not stories. That's me personally, because I don't know. Sometimes when I hear stories, I I think fiction, like it's not true. That's not what I want. So these are events. These things happened. All right. So during these events, this is the event of the children of Israel. All right. So this is right after the 12 leaders go out and spy the land for 40 days. All right. Everybody's pretty familiar with this, these set of scriptures, right, and what happens, right? Well, I believe God showed me 
some things in here that we need to take heed of. All right. So they go for 40 days. They come back. The two that only had a good report are Joshua and Caleb, right? Right. Okay. So that's kind of where we're picking this thing up at. So I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we're going to get into this first one. So uh, they told him. So the him here is Moses. So they're talking to him, right, because they're giving a report. We've got three different sets of people here. The congregation, which are the people that stayed, the spies, and then the leaders. Okay, we've got three different sets of people here. All right. So he said to him, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit, right? So they brought back fruit. They brought back grapes, pomegranates, and something else. I can't remember the other one. But they brought things back to show them that the land was exactly what God told them it was. Okay? All right. So, so the first hindrance to us not seeing that our promise isn't dead is not believing the evidence. All right? Not believing the evidence. Now, the word of God tells us what? That faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right? And then it says that faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what I want to show you here is, is that actually God gave them both of those right here. So the word went forth that he gave them a land of milk and honey. It's been told for generations that they were going to receive this land. That's the word coming forth. Now God gives them actual evidence. They brought back fruit from the land. They could see it with their own eyes and touch it. And they still didn't believe that they could go in. So we have to stay and make sure that we observe the evidence that God has given us. What's the evidence you say? We overcome by the blood of the land and the word of our testimony. What's the evidence? We know that people have been healed. We know that people have been delivered. There's plenty of evidence. God is saying there is no lack of evidence of what I will do, what I can do, and what I will do. There is no lack of evidence. God is saying now you have my word and evidence. We need to believe what he's saying. We see it every day. We see his mercy in our own lives. We see his grace in other people's lives. We see healing in our own lives, in our children's lives, in our parents' lives, our grandparents' lives. We see all of these things that he's doing. And then yet and still, sometime, we can say, uh, I don't know. I know it, it happened there. So now that brings me to another saying that seeing is believing. That is not true. How is that true? People see stuff all the time and they still don't believe it. No, it's not. It sounds nice. You would think that would be true. I mean, it's pretty hard to say, that, you know, this is a chair, you know. I mean, I can see it and touch it, but you'll still have somebody that'll say, no, that's not a chair.
We'll see it in our own lives. We'll see it in other people's lives. I, God, I know you. Did you really heal me? Did you really heal me? Then why do I still feel the way I feel? Saints, I'm hoping you hear my heart. I'm, I'm not trying to be, this is not meant to be, um, to come down on you. It's just I want you to see the reality of what we sometimes we do as humans. There's none of this stuff that I'm saying I'm exempt from. The only way that we continue to move forward is we have to grow from it. But we can't grow from it if we don't know that that's what we're doing. Seeing is believing. You know, that, that, that puts a stake in that other one, too. Actions speak louder than words. <laughs> now, as a human, I will say I'd rather see action sometimes than words. I will say that, yes. But I'm talking about in the context of God. No. His word is everything. His actions follow his word, not the other way around. So in God's case, his words speak greater. That's the seed that we need, the seed, the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. So we have to ensure to understand that our promise isn't dead. We have to believe the evidence. We have to believe the evidence. It's amazing how that one thing happened. And the whole, the children of Israel, the people completely turned. Completely turned. Their whole attitude toward going in completely changed after that point. Pretty amazing. All right, so let's go to the second point. That one's in uh, Numbers 13, 31, and 32. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able, go, able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. Second point is, don't let green, don't let agreeing with the majority steal your blessing. Don't elect agreeing with the majority, steal your blessing. Now, you gotta, you got to put this in context, so let me bring it in so you can see this here. So you've got 12 that went over. They're the only ones that experienced what was actually in the land, right? So now you have Caleb, Joshua. They're the only ones that are saying, let's go get this. The other ones are saying, no, nah, too many people, it's too strong, too big, we, we can't do it, right? So now you have 10 against 2. For the same word, they were in the same place at the same time. But the people sided with the majority. Right? Because 
God asked me the question, what happens if the people had believed Joshua and Caleb? They could have. They were all there. But the people didn't go with them. The people went with the majority. Hmm. And sometimes we can get caught up in the majority too. Well, everybody else is doing it. Hmm. Nobody else is standing up, especially as a Christian. This is something that we run up against all the time. Because there are a few people that will agree with us just because we're Christian. They'll find a way not to. So we definitely aren't the majority when we think about it in a global standpoint. But that doesn't necessarily be that. It can be just the people closest to you. It could be three family members, but two say no, one say yes. It could be somebody that you're getting counsel from. Right? Because they could say, no, nah, I don't think you should do that either. All right? So, again, I'm not speaking about bad about any of that. But what I am saying is, is that we had to weigh that against what God said. And what the people of Israel did not do is, is that they did not recognize what God had already told them. They instead went out because the spies were supposed to go out to validate the promise, not to come back and say that it was bad. You got to understand this. Why would you send somebody out? God had been telling you for years this was yours. And he would send somebody out and then you would come back with a bad report. Does that, that don't even sound right. We have to be careful who we side with in a bigger sense. Apostle talks about it all the time. We have to be careful about who we side with, who we are for, who we are against. Because if they don't line up with the word, then it don't matter where they stand. And that needs to be our stance. That's the same stance that the children of Israel should have had, but they didn't. Because it was the path of least resistance. They took the easy way out. Well, if we just go with them. Because they didn't want to have to fight for what God had for them. Sometimes we're going to have to fight for what God has for us, saints. And that doesn't necessarily mean in the physical. That, that's not what I mean. Sometimes we're going to have to fight through some barriers. There's some, some things that we have to get out of our own lives, some things we got to stop worrying about, some things we got to stop listening to people. Some, all of that stuff is a barrier that we have to do individually, else we're not going to get what God has. Now, what was interesting about this is, is that now we understand and know after this, those generations never went in. So now this proves my... What I'm saying, the promise didn't die. Unfortunately, they did before they saw it. God, the, God, God said, well, if you don't want it, the next one's up, get it. So because people say, well, they died, they didn't get it. Well, that wasn't because of God. That didn't have anything to do with what God said about the promise. The promise was still there. How do I know that? The next generation went in and got it. So because the people were in fear 
were in disobedience and falling away from God, that didn't change the promise. The promise was still there. And the promise is still there for us, too. But there may be a situation where we could forfeit it, though. And I hope that we don't do that. Because then we upset with God like he did something. And he didn't do anything. All he did was honor his promise. Because right after this, all of this takes place, Moses has to intercede for him. I mean, he goes on his face before God. I mean, he, he, he's like, I know. <laughs> he saved them all. So we got to understand that the promise ain't going anywhere. The question is, are we going to walk in it? I don't know about you, but I want mine. Right? And I want to be clear here. I'm not just talking about stuff either. God has an anointing level that he wants you at. Are you going to forfeit that? He has a ministry level for you. Are you going to forfeit that? He has a sphere of influence that he wants you to have. Are you going to forfeit that? Now, I know it's easy to talk about the monetary and the stuff, but that's not, that's not even what I'm talking about. Because that blessing was a whole lot bigger than just that land. All right, all right. All right, so the first one is, not believing the evidence. Second one is don't let agreeing with the majority steal your blessing. You want the last one? Yeah. <sighs> All right, the last one. Okay, no, it didn't. All right, so is the next uh, next verse actually thirty three. Numbers thirteen and thirty three. And it reads, "There we saw the giants. The descendant of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight." And so we are in their sight. Mm. All right. So the last one is don't focus on your perceived inadequacies. Now, what I want you to see here is the key word perceived. Because I am not saying that we just have a bunch of inadequacies. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that when you see what's in front of you and then you try to do a comparison of you to that and then you say, I don't know about that because that's what they did. They went to the land and saw the fortified cities and how big the people were and how armor they had. And then they came back and said, we be like grasshoppers. Well, what was that? A perception. Why? Because God told them to go get it. So if they weren't equipped to do it, why would God tell them that? So it was a projection from themselves of what they saw. So they perceived something that wasn't true. It didn't matter how big they were. God said it was theirs. 
perceived. Now, are there things sometimes that we might have to grow in? Absolutely. So let me make sure I'm saying this very clear, what I'm saying. There may be things that we need to grow in. But again, there's a difference between examining yourself to say, I need to grow, and examining yourself and saying, I can't do it. That's totally different. Because there are some times where the Holy Spirit is going to have us examine ourselves. There are some things we're going to have to get right in our heart before we get some stuff. That's natural. That's for everybody. But how is your perception about it? Their perception was, we, we, we can't do it. Now, what's interesting is, is that everybody there took on that same. Now, now they only are they saying it. Now, we just read it. They said, then the people said it. Now, wait a minute. So the people in the land, they're saying, called them grasshoppers. That, that's what the word just said. I just read it, right? They said, we see ourselves, and they say also. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Yeah. People ain't had nothing Where'd they get that from? So now we're filtering out things. The wrong words are coming out of our mouths. Over in Acts, it says that in him we move, live, and have our being. In 2 Corinthians, it talks about that he is our strength and our weakness. His grace is sufficient. In our weakness, his strength becomes perfect. So wait a minute. So if we live in him, move in him, have our being, and then when we're weak, he becomes strong, how can it be that they couldn't do it? Better question is, how is it that we can't do it? Right? We don't have. We, we got to get ready. I was excited about this because... God is saying, what you want? It's right there. All we got to do is make up our mind, put the standard of righteousness, holiness in our lives, and go get it. There's nothing stopping it. Yeah, you might get a little bumps, bruises a little bit, but you're going to go right through. What's up? Walk right in to your destiny, your purpose, your ministry, your business, your house. Your car, your healthy children, your future. Walk right into it. But we got to have the right mindset. We've got to put more faith in God's word than we do the other stuff. Christians have, to, have to, to cease the behavior of having more faith in their inadequacies than the word of God. This is what I've done sometimes. I could have talked myself out of even being in front of y'all today. I hate it being in front of people. I didn't like that, you know, I felt like my vocabulary wasn't all that big. And, you know, uh, you know, I used to read in front of people in college and I'd be stumbling like I couldn't. This ain't, I could have stopped it right at the gate. 
And honestly, I almost did. Because I ran so long. And it's hard to comprehend that because it's not even about me. I just purposely believe that if God called me to be up here, then he called me to help people. That's it. I got to take it for what he says. So I would have forfeited the opportunity to help somebody because I was scared and in fear of being in front of people and not allowing the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does. Because I'd love to say that this is me, but it ain't me. It's him. All I have to be is willing. Saying I, I want. Oh my gosh. There, there are so many great things that God has for us, and we're 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 kind of putting putting along here. God is saying the time is now. It's time for us to get serious. It's time for us to believe his word no matter what. I don't care what it looks like. I want to be able to say to me when I see the Lord that God, I did it because of you. Not that I forfeited it because I didn't believe you. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.